You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now. The latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It is time for Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition here on the 8th of August. Eight days into August already. Here we are. Scott Goldbranson, Mo Moten with you. Do us a favor if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast. Please do so wherever you get your audio. That's right. Do that. Put on the auto download. That helps us out a lot, and it helps you a lot because every time we push a show, which is pretty much every day now during the week, you will have it delivered right to your device uh, as we are an Odyssey Sports original podcast. Again, my partner, Mo Moten, he is the national senior NFL writer over at Bleacher Report, also Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am Scott Branson, LV Gully on Twitter. The show is SNB Today. All right, Mo, since we talked to you last Thursday, some things have happened in Raider Nation. And I want to start with this one because I get it to a certain degree, but it's training camp. And Jimmy Garoppolo had some troubles over the last couple days of camp going into the weekend. I think it was seven interceptions. Uh, and we're starting to see some panic amongst the fan base who, who, who seem to be excited or at least part of them excited about Jimmy G. And now they're really worried. And those that didn't like the signing of Jimmy G, not just because of the injury issues like you and I talk about a lot here, but because of performance are concerned. Uh, I'll talk about what Josh McDaniels had to say about that in a moment, but it's camp. How concerned are you, Mr. Moten? with uh, Jimmy G throwing some picks in camp when the guys are just getting rolling for the season. If you were, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm looking at my phone cause I'm looking at all the panic heads on X <laughs> or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. Uh, just uh. ready to, to burn the house down because Jimmy G is throwing picks in training camp. And what I will say is while it's not something you, you want to see from your quarterback, your veteran quarterback, it's not something that I am overly concerned about. We've heard stories about Patrick Mahomes throwing picks at camp before his first full year as a starter. We've heard of other quarterbacks throwing picks at camp before the regular season, and they were fine. It's not a, it's not indicative of anything, really. We don't know right, how this right. is going to translate or if it does translate to the regular season. The way I look at it is I'm glad the defense is getting some interceptions because that's yes. been a big problem for the Raiders for the past, I don't know, decade or so, 
they've struggled with forcing turnovers. And if you've heard our buddy Q Meyer say that you heard from a person close to the race saying that, you know, defensive backs were told to kind of stand back a little bit when Derek Carr's on the field, don't force too many turnovers. Not my words. This comes from Q Myers over at the Nation Radio. But it's good to see that the defensive backs are stepping up and making plays on the football. I believe the reporters have credited Ja'Cory and Bennett and Mark, Mar- Marcus Peters, Trayvon Merrick, and a lot of other of the defensive backs on the Raiders secondary for forcing those turnovers. Joshua Daniels credited those guys for forcing turnovers. So that's the way I look at it because at least we know those guys are looking to take the ball away and not just break up a pass. Exactly, Mo. And and listen, uh, and I did a Silver and Black Blitz, our short shows here on Silver and Black today, which you get on the podcast feed, about what Q had said. And I talked about that. And what's remarkable, and I, listen, like you said, you rather have your quarterback not throwing interceptions anytime. But to your point about the defense playing well, but also I'm still blown away if true. And again, I don't doubt Q because Q is a number one in my book. He's a great guy. He's trustworthy. He doesn't talk about things unless he's certain of them. And the fact that the Raiders at any time in their history would tell their defense not to do their best against a quarterback blows my mind. So to your point about the defense doing well, we're going to talk about that a little bit too in segment two when we talk about some guys who are kind of lighting it up in camp and really getting we're getting good reports from them in camp in a second. But but I, I like the fact the defense is playing well. Jimmy Garoppolo had foot surgery. He's coming back from that. And you're going to have ups and downs. And I want to read to you, Mo, uh, Josh McDaniels uh, at his recent press conference he, they talked about the struggles of Garoppolo and here's what and inaccuracies, interceptions, and so on. McDaniels, of course, says, quote, no concerns. I mean, we're also seeing some really good throws and some stretches where the offense is really doing a lot of good things. So he goes on to say, so no, look, there's some credit to be given to the other side when they make a play. They're competing too. It's the normal ebbs and flows of camp. Been some really good days, and then there's some plays where you get to coach off them, and so what's that's what I think it is. So so there you go. Obviously, he's not concerned. I'm not saying Josh McDaniels is going to come out if he really was concerned and say, oh, my God, what do we do? We signed this guy, and now I'm really worried. He's never going to say that, right? But this is camp. Camp, it's practice. It's, it's the very beginning of the season. Everybody's out there getting used to everything. Jimmy Garoppolo, everybody talks about the fact that he knows Josh McDaniels, but remember, he was with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco running a different offense, similarities, but still he's getting reacquainted to it all in a new place out there in the desert sunshine. And so you would expect there to be these bumps in the road. Now he's not going to play in the preseason, but if you get towards the end of all of this uh, and, and there's still negative reports coming out, then you could be a little more concerned, but I think people are so worried about it. And the media has done a good job. I think of the last couple of days of kind of straighten the uh, setting the record straight, I should say, with the defense and the defense stepping up. So so I think people just need to relax. Uh, I know I'm not really concerned with it yet. I'm more concerned about whether or not he stays healthy by week one. Yeah, I'm just saying let's just hope he gets through training camp versus, you know, what he's doing <laughs> at training camp. Obviously not ideal turning the ball over, but like I said, it's, it's a quarterback who, who hasn't been on the field since late November, early December. Right. As you said, he's been injured. If you read the reports from a lot of the people at camp, they're saying the issue is his timing, his rhythm is off, and you would expect that from a player who hasn't been on the field in eight, nine months. Right. So that's not something that 
it's more see people hear interception and they they worry oh he's gonna he's gonna be a turnover machine because they're gonna throw the ball more with Devontae Adams and Renfro and Jacoby Myers and all these guys but how are these interceptions happening I think is more important is he not seeing the field correctly Jose Sanchez was on our last show saying that sometimes Jimmy G has these Jimmy gimmies where you don't you're thinking like what is he looking at what is he seeing on the yeah. field but apparently it's not about what he's seeing or not seeing on the field it's about his timing as i said timing and rhythm is off he's mm -hmm. rusty in other words and i would assume that by the end of camp he will be a lot more sharp now the raiders have joint practices with the 49ers coming up before their game on sunday i know a lot of fans are going to panic if jimmy g struggles he knows the defense the defense knows him they're on equal playing field but the 49ers have a top tier defense even without nick bosa and right. Jimmy Garoppolo, as we all know, as we, I think he's, uh, and many people would agree with me, he's a middling quarterback. So right. middling quarterback versus a top-tier defense, top-tier defense is probably going to win a lot of those battles. Jim, with Jimmy G coming up those struggles, don't be surprised if his struggles continue through the joint practices this week. Correct. And remember, he's also getting on the same page as his receivers. Uh, he has, to your point, right. they're all new to him. Then you have receivers right. who are new to the team. Yes, Jacoby Myers played in New England. He knows the system. But still, there's a lot of guys there. We heard Michael Mayer had a great start, and then he kind of got brought back down to earth a little bit, which you would expect from a rookie. So this whole offense getting on the same page takes a little bit of time uh, as well. The other thing that I saw folks really worrying about, and, and some were writing him off already and say, what a terrible bust of a draft pick, <laughs> was Tyree Wilson right? Because he's not out there. You have been very strong from draft day on. And on this show, we have talked about the fact that Tyree Wilson most likely is not going to be ready for the start of the season. Even if he's healthy and works out a little bit, he's not going to be ready. So we talked about that. They asked McDaniels, again, same press conference. McDaniels said, quote, um, are there any concern? Well, the question was, are there any concerns Tyree Wilson not playing at all this year? And McDaniels said, not that I have, right? Then there was, uh, do you expect he'll be ready for the start of the season? And he said, I hope he's ready. But, and like I said, there's nothing that has told us that that's not going to happen. So the same is my last answer. So clearly Josh McDaniels is giving the great kind of Bill Belichick non-answer, which is he doesn't expect it. And again, the question, are there any concerns? He doesn't have any concerns over that. Maybe because he already knows he's not going to play at the beginning of the season. Then you wouldn't be concerned with it. But I think that you have to understand. I understand. Look, you on, on draft day, you talked about it. You said you like the pick, but it's tough because you're drafting a guy who's coming off an injury, and there's the unknown there. If if he was a, if he was a completely healthy player, it would have been a wonderful A plus pick. I think you gave it like a B plus because of the injury. Mm -hmm. um, I think on this one too, as much as you'd like the guy ready for game one. If it goes three or four games into the season, uh, or if he gets put on IR before that, then there should be more concern. But right now, Mo, until we get a little more information, we saw Brian Young come back. Uh, he's off pup already, practiced over the weekend. So that's a good sign. But but with Tyree Wilson, it's just going to be a wait-and-see game. So here was my projected stat line that freaked out Raider Nation on Twitter X, right? I said, he's going to have 20 tackles, four sacks, and 12 pressures. That... That tweet had a bunch of responses saying, Mo, that's too low. I would panic. Why would you draft a guy seventh overall knowing with those numbers? That's terrible. That's awful. He's going to be a bust. Cleveland Farrell 
I get all of that. And they're probably saying that in the chat right now. But <laughs> if you listen to Josh McDaniels, he's not concerned. Even before this press conference he had over the past week, he kind of said he has to get through the rehabbing phase. He has to get through the reacclimation phase. With, again, what it tells me is they drafted him not for 2023. They drafted him for the long haul. I know fans don't want to hear that because when you draft a guy in the top 10, you expect him to be on the field right away, immediate contributor. I understand that. That's not how the Raiders saw it. Because if they, if they did see it that way, they wouldn't have drafted him number seven. They would have went with a guy who's, who's healthy. They understood that he hasn't played football since November, and he still had a ways to go in his rehabilitation period. So there was a chance that even if he is on the roster, on the 50-man roster to start the season, he may not play a lot in the first mm-hmm. half of the year. For the first eight, nine weeks, you may barely see Tyree Wilson on the field. And I know that fans don't want to hear that, but that's the reality of it when you have a guy who's missed about eight months of football. And he's right. a rookie on top of that. This is not a veteran coming off of injury saying, okay, I know how to ride a bike. You never forget how to ride a bike. You get healthy, you get on the field. This is a rookie who now has to learn how to be a pro along with rehabbing an injury. So when you compound that, you see the realistic viewpoint. You're not going to get much from him, in the, at least in the first half of the season. Now, he may come on at around Thanksgiving and onward from there. You hope that he does. But from my viewpoint, listening to Josh McDaniels from day one, the expectation was, look, we like what we see big picture, long-term-wise, 2024, 2025, 2026. We expect him to be a playmaker. But this year, if he plays, cool. If he doesn't, we're not worried because we know he's coming right. off of injury and we see it as a long-term play there. Yeah. And I think there's a little bit of gotcha stuff here, right? Which is if you notice the line of questioning, we've seen it a couple times, um, is, is around what if he doesn't play? What if he does? Well, maybe they know that he won't. Maybe they, they're not concerned with it to your That's point. Right. And it's for a long-term pick. Look, anybody who makes a comparison between Tyree Wilson and Clee Farrell is seriously huffing, uh, or sniffing model glue or something because they're not even close. The Raiders overdrafted Cleve Farrell. Now, I understand Tyree Wilson with the injury, but Tyree Wilson at one time was considered maybe a number one pick in the draft, okay? So if you look at that, you cannot compare him to Cleve Farrell, who was overdrafted by the previous regime. And what they did, and Cleve Farrell and that mistake – was not this regime's fault. You cannot pin it on them. You can pin it on the Raider organization because it was the Raider organization run by different men at that time. So I think people, again, between the Jimmy G interceptions and this situation, you have to relax. Again, don't want to hear it, I know. Rebuild year. So they're not in any hurry to rush along a kid that they took in the top 10 that they really believe could be one of the best defensive ends in football on the other side from one that we already have there right in Las Vegas, which is the Raiders' Max Crosby. So you have to think of the long-term game. It's tough for fans. I get that. And I, I don't fault them at all. They want, to see, they want to see their team win. They want to see their draft picks come in and do good. I'm not faulting them for having that feeling. I'm just giving them that caution to say, hey, listen, it'll be okay. You can't evaluate the draft pick before week one. Listen, the fans out there who are concerned, I hear you because they're saying, why can't the Raiders just draft yeah. the guy who gets on the field right away? Why do Raiders <laughs> always have to get a guy that's who fair. is injured? There's always questions about can he contribute right away? Why can't the Raiders just get a guy who's ready to go week one, ready to contribute for top 10, top 15, top 20 pick? Why is it that there's always a backstory 
with a guy the Raiders choose early. Mm. And to to my to to what your point says, this is a new regime with a new vision. And like I said, I feel like Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziggler say, okay, we have at least two years to build this thing up before we're expected to win a bunch of games and be and be playoff contenders. Fans don't want to hear that, no. but I but. I say this, I've said this several times. Look at the way they've they've approached free agency in the draft. You get a quarterback who's injury prone, coming off of an injury. You have you're you're the 28th team in in spending on your in cap space of spending on your defense. 28th. Your top, I think they're top five in their offensive spending, but they're 28th in spending on their defense. They signed a bunch of guys to one, two-year deals. And then they get a, a top pick, a seventh overall pick, who's coming also coming off an injury like their quarterback. And it's going to have to have a slow ramp up period because he's a rookie mm-hmm. learning the game and because he hasn't seen the field since mid-November. So what that tells me is the urgency wasn't there to get a bunch of guys that are going to help us in 10, 12 games right now. It was, how can we make this team better within the next two years, yep. in the next three years? It's a long game. Uh, I'm not going to say 2023 is a wash and you forget about it, but they're playing the long-term play here. And you can see it. On, it the writing is on the wall for it. And that's the key, right? We've had some folks, I've had some feedback from folks talking about guests that we've had. Why are they so negative about the Raiders? I don't think people are being negative. Now, now we, we have talked to people who are pretty negative about the Raiders. But we also talk to people, I think, who are looking at it as we are, maybe maybe with different terms and in much more blunt fashion, which is you, to the point you just made, which is they got two years. They would need to turn this thing around in two years. That does not mean that the Raiders can't come out and surprise people and play better than we expect. That can happen too. But for right now, yeah. the, the key is not to panic. I think the key is to look at this and see what happens with Garoppolo, to see with Tyree Wilson where he develops over time. You don't want to rush him. You don't want him to have to come out and then he re-injures the foot and then you're suddenly talking about a guy who could be a, really could be a bust because he can't get healthy because he ruins his health again. So I think it's, it's key – that people wait and just see on that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have expectations, not telling you that, but I think people have to look at this and look at that long game and understand that it's not just about this year, that really the buildup, especially what they're going to be able to do next year with the defense comes along and to 2024, that expectations to be much higher of everybody involved, including Tyree Wilson, should he be healthy. All right. That's going to conclude our really first, quick, Scott. Yeah, there's a fine line in. between. Sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. There, there's a fine line between being negative and being realistic. And I think being negative would be the Rays are going to suck. They're going to win two, three games. <laughs> Fans don't even watch the games because they're not going to win that many of them. And then there's somebody telling you, look, temper your expectations because the way this roster is built, they're probably not going to contend for a playoff spot. I have them at seven and 10. I don't think that's negative. I think that's realistic. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you can win two games the other way or three games. Stuff happens. Not saying it can't happen. Just giving you the realistic, objective representation of kind of a viewpoint of what we're looking at. Okay, we're going to step aside for the break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the names that are being thrown around camp as far as guys having good camps. Positive stuff, optimistic stuff, players that we've talked about before, some that we haven't. And we'll also read you some of the comments from those players as they approach the dais during some press conferences over the past week. You're with Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Scott Branson, your host. Mo Moten is my co-host. And you can follow everyone here on, on the X, on Twitter, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. But you can find us there. The show is SNB Today. Mo is M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N, Mo Moten. At Mo Moten, I am at LV Gully. Jump in the conversation. We had some negative ones last week. I say negative. I, I shouldn't say that. I should say people were a little shaken last week, and they were not very happy, even though football's back. We had the Hall of Fame game on Thursday night, and then, of course, the Raiders take on the 49ers this weekend. In addition to the practices they will hold prior to that in Las Vegas, joint practices, so that'll be fun. Okay, Mo, some names that are coming out of camp from our good friends who are covering camp there in person include a guy that you've talked a lot about. I know we've talked about him on the show quite a bit, and that is Jacorian Bennett, the cornerback, who, when asked about doing well, said this. He said, hey, um, and and one of the things that he was really keen, and I love, I mean, Mo, I love hearing this from this kid, because when you hear a rookie come in, and not only are, the, are you hearing that they're playing well and catching on quickly, but then they say all the right things, right? They're, they're, they're smart. Uh, and here's what he said. He said, um, listen, he said, I just, it's good to be out there with people like Max Crosby, MP, Marcus Peters, Divine Diablo, just all those guys just kind of look up to them, see their routine and how they kind of maintain their bodies, talking with the safeties to try to learn the defense. But overall, it's been good. I just like to ask questions because Devontae Adams is arguably one of the best receivers, so I just try to get out, get his knowledge. Like, what gives him trouble? What can I do to kind of elevate my game? And then with Marcus Peters, he's a ball hawk. I think he's like 32 in career interceptions, he says, so I just try to pick his brain to see how I can kind of slow the game down and just try to make plays like how he does. That's what you want to hear, Mark. He's, he's learning. He's learning not only 
playing from Marcus Peters, but he's talking to his safety teammates to understand what they're doing on defense. He's looking at Max Crosby and his dedication. Crosby is in there at 5.30 a.m. before anybody working out. Man, not only is the kid doing well on the field, but he seems to be tuned into what exactly he needs to tune into to maybe grab a starting spot on this team to kick off the season. There's one thing that I heard that I really like what he said. He said, I'm not on social media much. I think that's important <laughs> because what that tells you is he's not into the distractions. He doesn't Correct. he doesn't care for the positive adulation. He doesn't care for the for the for the criticism that's going to come from Twitter because a lot of people on Twitter can't do what he does. So why would he listen to a lot of people on Twitter? He's 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 tuned into what he has to do as a rookie to get on the field right away and help this football team. He's not about distractions because a lot of let's be honest, a lot of the guys coming out of college or coming from where they come from get into the pros and the first thing they want to do is post what they have on instagram on twitter x or whatever social media platform they're on they mm-hmm. want all the fanfare they want all the adulation they want all the attention and he's not looking for that he's just he's just there for the grind and getting better now if he was on x and twitter he would hear me say look jacorian bennett is going to be a, a starter right away i said on twitter x that I'm going to tweet Jacorian Bennett's name until he's a starter. <laughs> he would have been able to see that. You can't see that, unfortunately, but it's cool. I it, I, I prefer a rookie who comes with his head down and says, I'm here to grind. I'm not here for all the other extracurricular activity that goes on. Shut everything out and just let me get in a room and work with my guys and get better. And I think with that mentality, he's going to go far with that. Now, we'll see if all of this, trans, as I said, we'll see if this translates to, to the preseason. I'm excited for Jacorian Bennett. I think he's going to start. I think that the Raiders secondary with their cornerback room is going to be Marcus Peters on one end, Jacorian Bennett on the other end, and Nate Hobbs in the slot. We'll see if that pans out. Preseason will help him uh, cement his spot in the secondary. We'll see. We'll see if those turnovers and all the buzz that's coming out of camp translates. I hope it does. Well, and and as Jason Fitz said, remember last week when we had him on, he had talked to some friends of his in the NFL who talked about what a great pick he was and what a dog he was going to be in the NFL. Uh, and then we heard it from Baldy too. So, so you look at this kid, he's set up for success, but hearing that he's talking to the best receiver in the NFL and trying to learn the mindset of the receiver, especially. So he's fortunate. He's got that guy right there, right? That he's got Devonte Adams there. But again, to understand the receiver mindset so that as a cornerback, he knows how to play it. And that is key because some guys can walk in the door. Yeah. They might tap into Marcus Peters and then think, Hey, I got this dog. I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, but that's not what we're seeing. We saw Damon Arnett, some of those guys who went through the Raiders and were gone very quickly not really do that or take that same approach to see this kid do it shows a level of maturity and professionalism. The guys he mentions in the press conference, those are the guys you want him emulating. So that is very, very good news. And Jacorian Bennett, look, he's got all the skill set uh, and, and he's a rookie. So you're going to expect him to struggle at times, especially with the division the Raiders are playing in the FC West. But if this continues, and we'll see, obviously, some live action this coming weekend as they take on the 49ers in Las Vegas, but but uh, I'm excited about him, Mo. Um, the other thing, by the way, besides Jaquarian Bennett, was Nate Hobbs spoke to the media, too. Nate Hobbs has been back and, and doing well and playing more, as we expected, in the slot. 
But he also said that he was comfortable playing wherever he goes. He doesn't care as long as it helps the team, which is really good. But he also mentioned Marcus Peters at length, talking about Marcus Peters and his football IQ and Nate Hobbs learning from that and seeing it and then understanding. He also mentioned Marcus Epps. So when we talk about, I mean, we, we talked about Marcus Peters coming in and what a great get that was. And some people poo-pooed it to say, well, he's not the player he used to be. But I know you and I both and a lot of folks in the media who cover the team said the same thing, which was this acquisition was key for this room. This was a veteran coming in, even if Marcus Peters, and, and I hope I'm wrong, I hope he does really, really well. But even if he was a diminished Marcus Peters, what he's bringing to that young group is so much more than you can anticipate uh, when you just look at stats, Mo. Right, and what did I say at the beginning of the segment? The one thing that the Raiders have struggled with forcing turnovers, and that's turnovers. what Marcus Peters is known for. Yeah. So if if you can give me 75% of what Marcus Peters was in his prime, I'll take that over what the Raiders have had in their, in their secondary over the past few years. So I think you have to have some perspective when you look at uh, the positivity or the 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 positive the net positive that Marcus Peters brings to the secondary is he can get those turnovers and that's been the talk of training camp now again I know it's training camp but mm -hmm. Marcus Peters has done this for, for close to a decade now so this isn't something that's new for Marcus Peters oh he's doing it at training camp what are you doing the season no we've seen him do it in the regular season in the playoffs so I'm not worried about Marcus Peters. I, I think he I think he's a he was a net positive as far as free agency is concerned. A late addition, of course. But for the for the money that they're spending to have him in that secondary, it's it's definitely a win. And the players you hear speak about it. And they call him MP. Uh Nate Hobbs, Jacorian Bennett both said that they 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 get a lot from him. Now they can't yeah. get his instinct that he brings no. to the field, but the way he sees the field and the way he sees offenses, I think they can take something from that. Not only that, but to me, what I always look for in camp is sort of, you know, they, they, they always do it. It's a psychological, it's a cultural piece, which is sort of what is the script? What are they being preached to about? Now, if I go back to last year, I know it was a new, new coach, new everything coming in. Um, on the defensive side, to me, last year, the, the drum that I heard a lot about was pass rush. Now, they didn't improve that much in the pass rush versus the previous year. Uh, it was not great again last year, but that's what I heard a lot of was that, you know, was the idea of got to get at the quarterback. We got to, we got to play smart. We got to play this this year. It's all about the turnover, as you mentioned, and which is a good sign, but I want to go back to something else. Nate Hobbs said and get your reaction, Mo, which was, he said, quote, game changing plays. That's what it's about. When you do that in every day in practice, you create a habit. When you create a habit, that's just who you are. It's your psyche. You don't know any better. So in a game, you see the ball, your mind is going to say, punch it without even having to do it. That is what this team has lacked on defense, especially in that defensive backfield, the aggressiveness of Marcus Peters and, and a team that creates turnovers. And, and so to hear that, it's very important that the guys there, especially some of these young guys, are thinking that way because you have to live it. It has to come become second nature, muscle memory. So that's very uplifting, and that's very optimistic for this team. Yeah, and I hope that translates because as the last time the Raiders had a respectable defense, I believe it was 2016 when they got to the playoffs, I believe they tied the Kansas City Chiefs for the most takeaways in the league. Now, 
they they weren't great at stopping teams getting upfield on third down or they, they were letting some scores go, but they were able to force some turnovers was offset some of their shortcomings on the defensive side of the ball. Now, if they could do that this year, let's say they could be middle of the pack, I don't know, 15th to 17th in, in yards allowed and, and points allowed, but let's say they're top five in takeaways. It would really help them a long way in that in that AFC West division and against other opponents, just getting that defense off the field because I don't know this firsthand, but I would imagine it is draining to be if you're a defender and you're on the field for 35 to 45 minutes a game. 35 to 40 minutes in the game, knowing that your, your offense may be struggling here or there, but you just can't get off the field on third down. The team is just getting you by death by a thousand cuts. Your defenders are huffing and puffing on the sideline and, and on the field, and there's just no end to it. So eventually your defense is going to wear down. What those turnovers do is it gives your defense a, a break, and it gives your offense more possession. So not only from a, a vacuum of saying, okay, we get the turnovers, it's positive, but it also helps your offense, helps your defense get healthy, and preserves their health for the you know for the entire game for the entire season. It does, and right now they're talking the talk. That's great, but you got to walk the walk, right? So when you get on the field, we have to see how this all translates. But very positive note, I think, coming out of camp. And of course, for those that are there watching practice every day, they've also reported that the defenses look good. Um, and so we'll see. Their first test will be this week against the 49ers in practice, and then the 49ers with the uh, preseason game there in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. So we'll have to see how that rolls out. Okay, we're going to take our final break. Oh, no, before we go to the break, I want to talk about this too. Uh, late in the week, we heard uh, that Jermaine Illuminor was getting time at right guard. Reaction, Mo. I want Because we, we kind of figured that Illuminor was going to be the right tackle, and he still may be. Don't know. But early on in camp here, we're seeing him move to right guard. What does that tell you? That tells me that Thayer Mumford is showing them something at training mm. camp that they may want to explore a combination with Thayer Mumford at right tackle and Jermaine Illuminar at right guard. Now, I think Jermaine Illuminar should stay at right tackle, but the Raiders are looking at it at, as we want the best five guys on the field. So... We've talked about this before. The weak spot on that offensive line, in our opinion, is the right guard spot. They wouldn't have signed Greg Van Roten if, it, if that, that wasn't the case. I don't think Alex Bars is a starter. But if you could get Jermaine Luminar over at right guard and Thayer Mumford looks good in training camp and he could play right tackle, then you have a better five than, let's say, having Jermaine Luminar at right tackle and Alex Bars and Greg Van Roten at right guard. So it's about just having the best five guys on the field. But I do still expect Jermaine Luminar to hold on to the right tackle spot because I think Greg Van Roten, if he can stay healthy, can claim the right guard spot. And that'll come out, I think, in the wash as well, this start to at least this week with these joint practices, because we'll hear a lot there too when you're going against some live action, how these guys do. And then we'll see a little bit in the preseason game as well on Sunday. So there you go. Really quick, Josh McDaniels also said that they're playing with different combinations because the chances of you having the same five guys on the field for 17 games – very unlikely. Somebody's going to have an injury. Somebody's going to go down. Something's going to happen. Right. So you have to have different combinations of guys so that when they play together during the regular season, they don't seem foreign to each other. They're familiar with each other playing next to one another. So that's also something to think about when you when you hear about different combinations on the offensive line on the field at training camp. Well put. The bow on this segment. Thank you, Mo. Uh, we're going to take our break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Josh Jacobs again. <laughs> 
Yes, we're going to talk about Josh Jacobs a little bit there about a story that's been spreading or a, a narrative that's been spreading in some media. And I'm going to get up on the soapbox about this one. So we'll do that when we come back <laughs> from the break. This is Silver and Black today with Mo and Scott. We're coming back right after these words. Welcome back. It's the home stretch here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. What? You don't subscribe already? Are you kidding me, Mo? What are we going to do about this? If they don't subscribe, we got it. We got to force them to eat mint chocolate chip ice cream. That's the only punishment. That's the only viable punishment I can think of right now. Yes, and if you don't subscribe, you don't know what we're talking about. That's why you got to subscribe. You would know what the mint chocolate ice cream thing is. And a lot of other food takes uh, here on Silver and Black Today. Do so, though. Wherever you get your audio, just look for Silver and Black Today. Turn on the auto-download. Subscribe, of course. And that way you get the show. Uh, so please do that. A reminder that we will have uh, another show on Thursday, a full show tomorrow. We'll have another Silver and Black Blitz. Some short stuff that's happening and anytime news pops up. And some new features coming up as well. Mo, before we get started here with a little bit of, of my soapbox, and I know you'll jump on it with me, is uh, what you got going on Bleacher Report this week, not only from a writing perspective, but a Bleacher Report live perspective and a sports not perspective. Give people the download on what Mr. Midtown Mo is going to be hey, it's doing Midtown. this week. There he is, Midtown Mo. Mo, what you got going, man? Well, from a radio perspective, I will have a live stream on Sunday during and or after the Raider game. So if the Raiders have their starters out in the field, I will be on during the game, just talking while the starters are playing. If the Raiders do not play their starters, I will be on immediately after their first preseason game with the 49ers. On, sport, on the sports not side, I'm going to just give fans something to be excited about. Players that I'm looking forward to watching in the pre, in the first preseason game. Of course, Jacorian Ben is going to be one of those guys. But <laughs> I also have two, three, maybe two to four other names to look out for in, their, in that first preseason game that Raiders fans should just keep their eye on because they've either had a strong camp or they're battling for a position on the depth chart. There you go. That's Moe's week. Got his work. He'll be here too Thursday. For another show, we're going to have, I think, five or six shows this week ourselves. We will also have a post-game show. Mo's trying to shut us out now. We're doing his bleach reports. No, I'm just kidding. It's good. It's good. Anytime <laughs> you can get more Raiders content, wherever you get it is good. And, of course, we love that Mo is the king now of bleach Report. They just don't know it, but he is. Okay, so so you got that. So you're going to have lots of stuff, fun stuff going on here. But, Mo, let's get into this Josh Jacobs thing. And and listen, even websites that we write for, Sports Not and Raider Ramble, both ran stories about, well, if Josh Jacobs, if the Raiders rescind the tag, he could go right to Kansas City. He could go right to Denver, first of all. And with all due respect to our colleagues, who we love very much, this is all crap, dude. This is a fantasy. The Raiders are not going to rescind the tag. The Raiders, if they rescinded the tag, as I said in yesterday's Silver and Black Blitz, would be committing malpractice of the highest order. You don't leverage, you don't give away a player that you have control of, especially the one of Josh Jacobs' caliber. 
if you don't have to. Now, even if he were to hold out, you still have his rights for two seasons. Why would people even think of this other than, and I know we get accused of it by just talking about stuff sometimes, but having clickbait, you want to drive this, this, this content, I get it, and it started in one spot and it spread all over like a bad, I don't know, mouths, uh, whatchamacallit, cold sore, rash, whatever. It just spread all over the place and it blows my mind because nobody would do that, Mo. Why would they do that? Why give a guy free agency when you have control over him for two years? He's, he's the guy who just run the rushing title. Somebody wants to sign and trade him, different story. If you feel like you're done with him, which I don't think the Raiders do, I still think Josh Jacobs shows up for week one, gets his money, and plays like we know he can play. But it just blows my – this kind of stuff blows my mind. Also, the the stupid rumor about, well, Devontae Adams is happy he might request a trade is also another one. This is where I draw the line and say, look, I usually don't criticize when people cover stuff because, you know, you do what you do. But – with this one, it makes no freaking sense, and it won't happen. Here's what I'll say. What benefit do the Raiders get by rescinding Josh Jacobs' franchise tender? I mean, unless the situation just gets so toxic between Josh Jacobs and the Rays, and it's not there right now, to my knowledge, that's the only reason I would see for the Raiders rescinding the tag and say, you know what, just do whatever you want. We just went out of the situation. We just want a divorce. But even then, you explore the trade market first to try to get something for him. Right. I, I just don't see the benefit of the Raiders rescinding the tag and just letting Josh Jacobs walk free and say, hey, do whatever you want. It's whatever. I, this is why I pay no mind to those rumors. Now, I did see it. It came from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, who usually has some very good Raider contacts. I will say yeah. that. There's, when, the, when, the, when the Khalil Mack thing happened, he was one of the reports that said it was a possibility, and people called him, you know, all, all types of names. So I don't, I don't want to throw out this port, report completely because Jeremy Fowler is a reputable reporter. But what I will say is that even if it's even thrown out there as a possibility, I don't see it happening because Dave Ziegler is just – after what happened with Derek Carr, you think they're going to let another valuable player walk no. for, for nothing without trading for him? I, I just don't see that happening. It would be a nightmare if Derek Carr and, and Josh – Jacobs are both gone without you getting any draft capital for it. I don't see it as a possibility. As you said, I think it's more of a possibility that he's back before week one and plays up the season with a tag. Though I do think there's a smaller possibility that he is traded. Fans don't want to hear that. I put out an article on Bleach Report recently about two, three weeks ago saying these are the teams that should call the Raiders with interest in Josh Jacobs. Now, there are reports that Jonathan Taylor may have interest if he hits the trade market. Owner Jim Ursay of the Colts says we're not trading him. But there's a market out there for a top running back. So if the Raiders decide they want to part ways with him, it's more likely he's traded versus then rescinding the tag and let him walk free for nothing. Correct. And again, I like you, I have ultimate respect for Jeremy Fowler. I don't have any issue with him. I think he's a wonderful reporter. But this stinks of a, um, I think, an agent <laughs> plant story to me, which is the agent brings this up. Um, just to kind of throw egg on the face of the Raiders. I get it. It's a negotiation. You got to do what you got to do for your client. I'm not saying that they shouldn't do it. I'm just saying that the Raiders would be the most ridiculous franchise in history if they were to do that. It makes no sense. So if you're a fan out there too, I would say don't worry about it. It's not going to happen because you don't let and you don't 
You don't let a valuable asset walk out the door and get nothing with it. To your point, the Derek Carr situation, that's what happened because of how they played it, okay, just the way it went down. Mm -hmm. You cannot do that again. Uh, at the same time, it's not an argument to go, say, pay Josh Jacobs $15 million a year, especially with what happened with Saquon Barkley last week. So you, you have to look at it from that perspective and just know that this kind of stuff, I mean, I just... It blows my mind. There, there's always a chance something. You can't ever say never, right? But in this case, it's pretty damn close to I'm saying it'll never happen, okay? Because I would just, it, it makes no sense. I would just say it, if it doesn't make sense for the Raiders, why would they do it? Just yeah. think about it from that perspective. Doesn't What benefit do the Raiders get from that? Like I said, other than the situation had just become so toxic where the two sides just say, we have to part ways by any means. Other than that, there's no reason to do it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so interested. Now, I know it's died down a little bit because of camp in general. There's so much more going on. So the news bottle, like think of news as like a milk bottle, right? It's full of other stuff, so there's not a lot of room for it. But the whole core, the whole running back market thing is still part of the discussion, and, and not just because Josh Jacobs is still out. It just comes up a lot more. We saw what happened with Logan Wilson in Cincinnati, got big money. Uh, if you look at it, a four-year deal, around $40 million uh, for a linebacker position, which I know we talked about with Fitz uh, saying that you know linebackers aren't what they used to be uh, and, and so on. But the money in the NFL, I mean, watch these positions and watch what people are getting paid. But fans are still really upset. I think once the season starts, it'll die down because people will be watching actual football. But it's, it's sort of interesting that that story continues to kind of perpetuate and talk about. Yeah, it's not going away. We'll see. I'm sure it'll come up again once Dalvin Cook signs his contract. Whatever he gets, it'll be talked about. You know, did he get what he, what he deserved or should he have gotten a little more? But the running back conversation will continue, and it will continue at least until Josh Jacobs decides what he wants to do because I think he's probably going to be the last domino to fall, either him or – Jonathan Taylor, those two situations have to come to a resolution or some type of conclusion at some point where Josh Jacobs says, look, I'm not coming back to play. Jonathan Taylor may decide he, you know, but he's under contract. So he's, a, you know, has a different situation, but we'll definitely monitor two guys who recently won the rushing title. I think Jonathan Taylor won in 2021, Josh Jacobs wins it in 2022 and both guys aren't happy. So again, that running back conversation, not going anywhere anytime soon. Right, and it's not unique to the Raiders. So if you're a Raiders fan and you're mad at your team for the Josh Jacobs situation, you can see it's happening all over the league. It's just kind of one of those cycles where the value is where it is and guys are not happy, and so you're going to hear that story until things are rectified. But I do know that all of these players are amazing players, and they love football, and I think the closer you get to football, they will want to play. And knowing unless something happens in between there, like you said, like a trade or something, um, those guys are going to be ready to play. I have every faith in that, and that includes Josh Jacobs. I think Josh Jacobs is a gamer. He's a good young dude. Unless, like, like Jason Fitz said last week, unless he's got money in the bank and he really doesn't care about the money and he really wants to be principled, God bless him if that's what he wants to do. Walking away from $10 million is, is, a, is a pretty dang brave act. And so if he wants to do that, he will. I just don't see it happening. Another rate, just, just throwing this out there because we're talking about Josh Jacobs. Now, I had a recent piece on sports now talking about the running backs that could step up in Josh Jacobs' place. Well, Austin Walter has been put on injured reserve. His season is over. 
Britton Brown is banged up. So it's it's Zamir White time. Unless yes. Sincere McCormick can show something, it's it's definitely Zamir White time where he's gonna he's gonna have a chance to show what he can do in the preseason and potentially take on a bigger workload if Josh Jacobs is not on the field. Brandon Bolton again, he's not gonna take on the bulk of the workload. He he's more of a special teamer at this point in his career. Amir Abdullah is more of a pass catcher at the backfield. He's not taking 12 to 15 carries per game. It's Amir White, it's Sincere McCormick. Those two guys, they have the spotlight, they have the flow while Josh Jacobs is out. We'll see what they can do. And and that's the thing. I, t- I, I was telling somebody who was DMing me this weekend about Josh Jacobs because they really want him in camp, and they were hoping that the Raiders would do some kind of deal like you saw with Saquon Barkley where they'd give some money up front and get him into camp, which still could happen. We'll see. It doesn't seem likely at this point, but you never know. Um, and I that's what I said. I said, but remember, if Zamir White – and, and, and this is what could happen. You've seen this happen before, with all due respect to Josh Jacobs. Zamir White lights it up against the 49ers in practice and then goes out in the preseason game and, and looks like money, okay? You will see Josh Jacobs pay a lot more attention to that, right? If you see a guy, because then, again, your leverage and your ability to, to negotiate now or in the future, right, because he can't do it now for a new contract – starts to go down every time that happens because if the Raiders say, wait a minute, Zamir White is on fire through two preseason games. He's killing it. And I know it's just preseason, but he looks good. He's got the confidence of his teammates. Then having Josh Jacobs not there, as good as he is, just goes down a notch, right, Mo? And so that is a motivating factor for some guys who are holding out, don't want to sign their tender to suddenly say, you know what, I better get in there or I might lose out completely. And let's also not forget, I know Raider fans are going to cringe at this because they're going to say these two guys are kind of washed up, but let's not forget Kareem Hunt still out there. Yeah. Ezekiel Elliott is still out there. So if the Raiders want Zamir White paired with another veteran who, you know, is more experienced, pass protection, things of that nature, just knows the nuts and bolts of the game, they can go out and get another guy to pair with Zamir White. Zamir White doesn't have to go out there and be Superman and get the 20 to 25 carries uh, to open the season. He could be part of a tandem with one of those veteran running backs and the Raiders move forward and say, look, we're not going to pay Josh Jacobs. We're not going to give him a Saquon Barkley type deal, even though there were reports saying that they were open to doing that. Maybe Josh Jacobs doesn't want a Saquon Barkley type deal. We don't know what right. Josh Jacobs wants. Hasn't, he hasn't laid it out and written it out and put it out and said, this is what I'm asking for. He's not going to, of course. But we don't know what Josh Jacobs wants. And, in, and, in, and until we know what that is or it come to a resolution, you have to consider all options. Veterans, guys on the back end of the roster, Maybe a trade. Who knows? Yeah, that's what we'll see unfold over the next few weeks as we roll on here during training camp. Of course, the Raiders practice with the 49ers later this week. We're going to talk about that as we move along and uh, have some guests on Thursday as well. Mo, what else are you looking for out of camp this week? Things you're keeping your eye on? Byron Young, him coming off of... Uh, what was that? The pop list, the, I believe. No, the the it was the, the NFI list. It was the pop list, NFI list the because NFI. yeah. So it's the pop list. Okay, so correct. Looking forward to see how he comes along. Again, I'm not expecting much. He is a rookie. He's got to get his feet wet. I don't expect him to play much, if at all, in the preseason game because he has to have a ramp up period. But I want to see how quickly he catches on. And the other thing is, we just talked about it in a previous segment. How how does that secondary look on the field in I don't want to say in live, well, in live action, in live preseason action, 
I know it's just a preseason game, but you want to see every step of the way. You want to see consistency. Okay, the secondaries forcing turnovers at training camp during practice. Okay, now you want to see it happen during the preseason game. And then you want to see it happen during the regular season game. So it's kind of the next phase for that secondary to show what they can do this year. Yeah, no question. I, I'm interested too, Mo, in some of the other rookies we haven't heard anything about, right? Some of these guys that are were later round draft picks uh, that are competing. So you have the Nesta Jada Silvera from Arizona State there as well. And then some of those guys up front, we haven't really heard a lot about the battles up front uh, on the Raiders defense. So I'm interested. We've a lot of focus on the defensive backs because they've been doing so well the past week. So I'm interested to see when they get into some live practice action against the 49ers, if we hear more about the interior of the defense, of course, linebacker, which they're still incredibly thin at. One other thing I didn't mention, I want to see how they handle Hunter Renfro. Is he going to play a lot in the preseason? Is that a sign that they're showcasing him maybe? Or do they have him, they just kind of rest him up for the season knowing he was banged up last year and just kind of put him on ice until week one. I want to see how they're going to handle Hunter Renfro. Because remember last year, Josh Jacobs played in the Hall of Fame game. And people are like, what are the Raiders (laughs) doing playing Josh Jacobs in the Hall of Fame game? Are they shopping him? Then the rumors started. I want to see what they do with Hunter Renfro, being that the rumors have been around. I've been talking about a lot. I think that's something to keep an eye on. And Trey Tucker, how does he play? Because he's also had a strong training camp. He has. And also, uh, you talk about the Hunter Renfro situation. The men and women who cover the team on a daily basis there in Henderson have written and and talked a lot about Hunter Renfro and how good he looks this uh, this camp. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the playing time. I agree with you there as well. Uh, a reminder that we will have a silver and black blitz tomorrow on Wednesday. It'll be Mo or I. We're not sure. It'll just kind of that's how the flow goes. And then Mo and I will be back Thursday for a long form show with a guest or two to talk about the latest and what we're hearing out of Raiders practice against the 49ers as well. Mo, what are people going to read early this week from you? Yeah, earlier this week, as I mentioned earlier, it's just a mention of who who are we looking at, who am I looking at when the Raiders take the field against the 49ers on Sunday. Uh, that's that's a, basically a standalone game. I want to call it a primetime game because it's preseason. But all eyes mm-hmm. are going to be on the Raiders and 49ers in that in that late game Sunday night. And I'm just going to have I'm going to have my eye on three to five players that I either just want to see progress. I want to see where they are in their position battles. How, you know, do they take the field? Mm-hmm early are you on the field late because all of that stuff does matter when you look at who's playing with the first stringers who's playing with the second stringers how they rotate how long are they on the field is a guy being showcased is the guy falling behind in his position group all of that stuff matters and i'll be keying on five guys for that game it does it'll be interesting it's going to be another big week for the men in camp in henderson for the las vegas raiders and we will be here to talk about it. Mo, I will talk to you on Thursday, my friend. Sounds good. All right. Uh, for our producer, Mike Robier, uh, for Mo Moten, I'm Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black today. Make sure you subscribe if you don't already, and we will talk to you tomorrow with a blitz, and we'll talk to you Thursday with a full show. Until then, take care, Raider Nation, and have a great week.